Hello again, this is Charlie Belfontaine, and you're listening to WCPT AMA 20, and this is the Home Buyer's Hour, where we talk about real estate and home buying and trying to empower you with good home buying decisions. Uh, remotely, we have Joey Matthews of the Federal Savings Bank. Joey, please say hello, give us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll get back to you in a little bit. Yes, good morning, people. Uh, Joey Matthews, NMLS 1330694, over at the Federal Savings Bank. We're on the frontline team over there. Uh, you can get a hold of me, 630-235-2405. Try texting it now. I bet I, I, bet I reply. I bet you do. You mm -hmm. seem like you're always going to be replying no matter what time of day or night it is. <laughs> and then Patrick Loftus, give us a scoop on you and your company. My name is Patrick Loftus. I'm five foot nine, five foot ten <laughs> on a good day. I've got dark hair. I've but salt and pepper, I would say. Um, my company is Loftus Law. I'm an I'm a lawyer. I'm a real estate lawyer. So if you are buying a house or selling a house, you hire me and make sure you don't get well. I can't say those words. Make sure things go well. Absolutely. And one of the things I like about both Joey and Patrick is they're willing to volunteer their time. You know, So if you do have any questions, please feel free to either texting, call in, whatever. These two gentlemen are experts in their field, and I'm very proud to be associated with them. In our studio, our guest this week, we've had him on before. His name is Mike Opid. He owns um, a Remax Next. Actually, there's two offices there. They have roughly 60 to 65. I think he told me exactly 62 two real estate agents work out of there. He also runs an education program called Next Blueprint. Now, I really like this real estate agent, and I like it because he goes after you know, building relationships with clients. He understands, and, and I think we're on agreement with this, that the bar to entry in the home inspection business and also in the real estate business is very low. And a lot of people don't really realize what we do and the importance of what we do, but this guy gets it. So, Mike, I know I said a little bit about what you do, but if you don't mind, give us more about you, your company, and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, happy to be here, Charlie. Thank you again for the invite. Um, yeah, I've been in, in real estate since about 08, right after the crash, and uh, decided after being a broker for a while, I want to open up my own brokerage. Uh, so, we do that, and we really focus on helping real estate agents, um, you know, from the ground up, you know, starting a business from scratch. Uh, so much so that we started our education company, and now we actually just uh, announced that we uh, purchased a mortgage company. And, oh, that's cool. And that's going to be our next piece that we're adding to uh, to the empire, so to speak. <laughs> now, is that partnering with another mortgage company, or is that you know basically next mortgage? Yeah. So we so we actually purchased a franchise called Model Mortgage, and uh, our brand is going to be Model Mortgage Next. Okay. Uh, similar branding that we see on the more on the uh, real estate side of things, um, but now we have an in-house lender that our agents can take advantage of. They can co-market together, they can you know, shop rates. It's, it's wholesale lending, which is pretty cool. So now buyers have more options than, than, um, than a traditional bank. So sorry, Joey, had to throw it out there. <laughs> No, it, Not it, good. <laughs> life is a competition, all right? And nobody should be trying to be forced to do anything else like that. I understand, Joey, that he's he knows his stuff when it comes mm -hmm. to FHA, VA, and there's no but following that. He's also great on the other avenues as well. But, you know, it's just the resources that we have and what we could do is the benefit of everyone. And, and speaking of, Joey, I'd like to get some of your opinions on things. What's going on in the mortgage world? In the finance world, I know there's a whole bunch of stuff going on in the world. Yeah, no, World, <laughs> world War Three, right? Um, I hope not. So yeah. last week, obviously, uh, well, not obviously, but if you're unaware, uh, CPI numbers, inflation numbers came in lower than expected. So we actually saw the best uh, MBS mortgage-backed securities day since at least 2009. And what do you mean by best? Best uh, pricing improvement, okay. right? So. I would I would say in a lot of situations we were we dropped a full percentage point off rate over the course of one day. Um, it was the best day since at least 2009 when you know a lot of MBS started being tracked. Uh, then yesterday, producer pricing index numbers came in a little bit short again. Also, so I expected more improvement yesterday. I didn't see as much as I would like to see. And then today, retail sales were a little bit high. 
so there's still concerned people are spending more than they should. However, I still think we're going to see a nice inflation report next month. We also have what's going on with uh, Russia accidentally, you know, killing people in Poland. Um, but the 10-year Treasury is down uh, 50 bips, 0.5 percent just within the last week. So um, I expect more improvement in the market over the next couple of days. I think that uh, MBS is lagging a little bit behind right now because they think there's going to be a correction. I'm not sure there will be, I think. Uh, but we'll see. I've been wrong before, but I like being right a lot more. Yeah, who doesn't? I get that. So one, one thing I'd, I'd like to get into a good discussion, especially with the three of you guys here, you know, and Mike, ring a bell with me a little bit when he said he started in 2008 and I remember 2007 8 and it was like a light switch and the real estate market just died overnight and it was scary as all hell and that what's and and I'm going from my memory here all right I think there were a lot of people that ended up buying a lot of houses and they had a lot of mortgages that were going on I think that contributed to things and then all of a sudden you know, no, they weren't able to rent those and bring in any sort of income from them. And I'm going back to 2007, 2008. Then we also had a high surge in gas prices in those days. Um, so there were a lot of weak mortgages. We had $4.50 a gallon that shot up relatively quick. And I, I don't know. How do you th see things different? Are we in for another 2008 again? 2080? No. <laughs> Joey, that's really all you got to say. Yeah. yeah, why not? What is? Give me some assurances, gentlemen. Joey, uh, tell us about Dodd Frank. We lost Joey. Oh, so dear. let's keep. That's going. what he would say, though, Dodd Frank, and he'd probably say a lot more about it. Um, I mean, just look at what the job numbers are. Um, the metrics are much different today than they were in two thousand seven, two thousand eight. I mean, that's just that's just facts. Um, you know, the, the things that are informing people's anxieties are just fundamentally different. You, now, you point out gas, yes, of course, gas goes up and people do have more anxiety, no doubt about it. Um, but people aren't in, uh, they largely aren't in mortgages they can't afford. And if you can afford your mortgage, you are going to keep paying it because you need a place to live. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the biggest differences is when when 08 happened, it was the the quote unquote crash and recession that followed was basically caused by the by the mortgage industry, the housing industry, right? It was all collaborative, and it really tanked because of that, you know. And if you look throughout history, during recessions, housing usually does well; it usually actually appreciates. That was an anomaly, and a big cause to that is what Charlie was talking about with these mortgages that that we also we heard so many things about that people were getting mortgages they shouldn't there was things called ninja loans which is no income no job i mean they were just basically walking in and getting a loan and it's crazy it was the wild west and that when that all that happened and the crash happened banks the regulations got really tight and the lending hasn't loosened up a ton since then they're still pretty well regulated meaning that these banks aren't allowed to give those loans out. So fast forward to now, 2022, and although we've seen things kind of change, that lending guidelines haven't changed. So you're not getting all these foreclosed properties that we saw during that time that these banks had on the books that they had to get rid of that would cause prices to start just dropping as these banks just try to unload them because they don't want to hold this stuff. And that's the difference. Then there was a thing called shadow inventory, which was when banks hold properties that haven't hit the market yet. That's not the case now. Banks then had a ton of shadow inventory that they had to release slowly or the market would really have tanked. Mm. Banks don't, aren't holding that anywhere near that amount of property. So they, there might be a little bit of foreclosing, foreclosing and short sale going on, but the fact that it's nowhere near that level means that the prices won't plummet to what we saw then. Yeah, but isn't there always going to be some sort of foreclosures and short yeah. sales and stuff? That's that's yeah, it's the absolutely. numbers, the percentage. Yeah, there's there, it's always going to be the case, right? Um, not like we saw in those times, but you uh, alluded to inventory. Am I wrong in, in that inventory is still pretty tight? 
Yes, and that's and supply and demand, right? And that's what's crazy about it is if, if buyers that are in the market right now, especially on the listing side, we often hear like, "Oh, buyers have options. Buyers have options." The crazy thing is the inventory levels haven't changed. The buyer pool has gone down because the rates have gone up. So it's still the same amount of low inventory that we've been hearing about for the last couple of years, which okay. drove last year's market to be in the insanity it was. But last year had a lot more buyers out because the rates were 3%. Well, the rates shot up really quick, scared a ton of people off. And now people are like, well, I don't want to buy. So, you know, the inventory level is low, but the buyer pool is actually a lot lower which creates more options for buyers because, you know, there's not as much competition for these places. Joey, are you back with us? Yes, sir. Oh, terrific. So tell me a little bit about, you know, what Mike was talking about here with the buyers, the the number of houses that are on there. And more so, I want to get into comparing maybe last year to this year. You know, people were paying far over the price or the asking price at a house, and then they were waiving all their contingencies, and yeah, they had low rates. What, like if I had a, I don't know, let's use simple round numbers, $100,000 at 3%, all right? What value, or how much money can I borrow at 6% at that same 100,000? What's the value to be the same monthly payment? So, I mean, at $100,000 at 3%, you're looking at 421 uh, for, for a payment. Did you punch so it into a calculator yeah. or did you actually know that? No, I absolutely punched that into a calculator. No, thank I you. Was, was <laughs> I'm like, how the hell did he yeah. come up with that? Yeah, uh, no, my, my, I'm a nerd, but I'm not that big of a nerd yet. One day. <laughs> World's uh, okayest mortgage so, dude, don't forget. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to put me on the spot, I'm going to be ready for it. Um, yeah, so the, the equivalent payment, you would, if you were buying 100, 100K at 3% last year, you'd be buying for 70K this year. So the difference in payment is $2, right? At 70K this year, you're looking at a 14, 419 payment at 6%. At 100K, you would be looking at 421 a month. If you want to extrapolate that, that'd be like buying for 500K versus buying for, uh, oh man, I should have done the math first, 350K. Is it really that much of a difference, three fifty to five hundred? Because I was looking more like four fifty to five hundred. Mike, where do you see the house prices now compared to last year and the sale prices? Yeah, I think what I'm seeing is actually a correction. So it's not a crash; it's a correction, and that's what's what's actually really interesting about the market now is that with last year and that run up that we saw, where people were paying fifty thousand dollars over market value. Like right. not list price, and everyone kind of goes to list price, but I always base it off market value, and they were actually paying fifty thousand over market value. It, it was just not sustainable, right? So everyone was in it. They're trying to do it. They're giving their firstborn the right arm. I mean, they're waving, waving every appraisals, waving it, which is insane because then they're paying out of pocket to make up the difference when it underappraises. Which, thank you, Joey and the banks, for not just giving into those prices and still going oh with gosh. the market value, right? That would have been. A disaster so what i'm actually yeah. seeing is just that it's it's now just coming back to the norm like had the pandemic never happened had the rates never drop this is where the pricing's supposed to be so you know someone who might have paid 450 for a, a house last year and had to pay fifty thousand dollars over the market value you know people in the market right now they're paying the market value for the home they're paying four hundred thousand so it's it's actually if you look at it in the really micro in the really short term, yeah, it looks like housing prices came down, and that's all we talk about is year over year. Yeah. But if you go back to before the pandemic and before rates dropped, like our housing prices have actually just really kind of been going up, and that's where we're falling back to now is just that normal. And nothing's ever a straight line when we look at those charts. You know, they're always going to be waves. Yep. You know, I like to refer to it as a roller coaster ride, but I don't think it's the I don't know. I'm trying to think of a big roller coaster at Great uh, America. The American Eagle. There you go. American Classic. Eagle. <laughs> I got my daughter mad at me one year. I took her on there, and I, I went on the backwards one, and she didn't want to do that, and I <laughs> snuck her into that line. And, yeah, she still doesn't let me forget about that one. But, yeah, it's, it's not that much of a roller coaster ride is the point I'm trying to get to. And that's accurate? or yeah, well, it's actually, I mean, we were talking about this a little bit before we went on the air and just how incredible buying opportunity it is for, for buyers right now that 
they're not really realizing because they're just so fixated on the rate, you know, and it's it's what I call rate envy. You know, they know that their friends and coworkers or family got a 3% rate last year, and that's the only thing they're thinking about. But what they fail to realize is that when those people bought those houses, they, they gave up so much leverage, you know, just to get a house, and, and they way overpaid for it, let's say $50,000 over. Well, that house can now be bought for $50,000 less. Yeah, the rate's a little bit higher, but it's actually the, and Joey, correct me if I'm wrong, but the mortgage payment's almost identical. And the cool thing about that is now is that, you know, in order for that person who bought last year to break even, you know, you're looking at 10 years down the line, because our market typically appreciates at about 2%. You know, so for them to break even with closing costs, if they want to sell to break even is 10 years, well, if you buy now, even at these rates, you could always refinance if they go down. And at the same time, in 10 years, you're gonna get all that appreciation that your friend didn't get who bought last year. And that's why this opportunity now is really just what people are not realizing. And even though the, the monthly payment's gonna be the same, and maybe you would have more go towards principal, it's still 30 years. If you get a 30-year mortgage, it, that's what it is. It's mm -hmm. 30 years. and. But I guess, you know, a lot of times I don't hear is, what about taxes? I mean, we could write off our property taxes and we could write off our interest payments in our mortgage. That interest payment is going to be higher and that gives us as buyers more leverage. I like to use the word power and you you guys all correct is a leverage. And what I mean by power is the ability to influence another person. So when you're buying a house, you know, last year the buyers didn't have any power and leverage is the proper term that we should be using. They didn't have leverage to go ahead and get a better deal on the house, whereas now they do. Uh, yeah, so the way I see it is the, the the big spigot of money that got turned on to keep us afloat during COVID, it got turned way down. And of course, with less money available, the, uh, the demand is reduced. Um, so the result, at least from my own anecdotal perspective, is that the market, at least when it comes to uh, buyers and sellers, has found more balance. Mm -hmm. um, last the last couple of years, representing buyers, uh, I, I didn't have a whole lot of leverage, power, however you want to uh, call it, to get things done. Um, once you get in and, and your inspection report comes out, and the buyer says, "Well, you know, these three or four things uh, is what I'd really like to to get done, or I would like this amount of money," a seller could just as easily say, "Nope." because they know that they had nine backup offers. And mm -hmm. there's also another agent out there bugging their agent saying, uh, you, you know, I, I've, I've got actually a buyer that's got 5K more for you. So th this seller is just sitting there going, oh man, this is awesome. And the buyer's going, oh God, what's gonna happen? Those, are, those aren't great experiences. Um, now, it, at least again, from, from where I sit, there's more balance. And when there's more balance, the, the overall experience for everyone involved is better. Now, the, rate, the rates are what they are. Um, but you know, there's, that is a very narrow perspective. Uh, I think what Mike is, has said and what he's referenced is that the rate's one thing, but really what you should be more focused on is a, a more broader perspective of value. You know, what am I getting? Don't be so focused on that monthly payment. Obviously, the monthly payment is relevant because you've got to make it every month. Right. But if you buy something for, like Mike said, 50k more than what it's worth a year later, well, I hope you like living there for a while mm -hmm. because it's going to be a minute before you're going to get into a position where you feel like, okay, cool, you know, I'm back. I can, I can make some moves here. No, all that makes a lot of sense. And I want to continue the conversation a little bit. Uh, Patrick, how do they get hold of you if somebody wants to ask you any questions? Call or text 773-632-8330. And Joey, you? You can call or text 630-235-2405 or follow my social media stuff. It's all the VA Loan Nerd nowadays. 
I, I gotta love that stuff that there's no tomorrow and that. I, my name is Charlie Belfontaine. I own Chicagoland Home Inspectors. Uh, we consider ourselves one of the premier home inspection companies in the entire Chicagoland area. Our website is www.thehomeinspectors. That's plural, O-R-S, and it's a dot com. We also do a lot of education, and that's the Home Inspection University um, of Illinois, and that's H-I-U-I-L.com. And Mike, if you don't mind, tell mm-hmm. us how people get hold of you, and I want to hear about your school as well, please. Yeah, so really easy to get a hold of me. Call or text as well, 312-929-8910, uh, or email mike at remaxnextnext.com. Good, and tell me real quick a little bit about, is, I, I believe I'm going to say the school right, correct me if I'm wrong, Next Blueprint. Yes, so Next Blueprint was... Well, my partner and I created, uh, based on our experience with our brokerage and the education we were offering there, uh, at Remax Next, we really focus on newer agents and really teaching them how to build a business, not just a real estate business, but like a business from the ground up. And we created a mentorship program, and for a year plus, we've been testing this thing perfecting it and we saw just incredible results from it and our new agents straight off the street never sold an ounce of real estate in their life were selling you know on average about 1.5 million um, dollars worth of houses you know in production per year and the industry average uh, according to the national association of realtors about 500,000 um, so we saw so much success with it. We said, well, if this works here and we've tested it, why don't we take this and make a company out of it? And that's what we decided to do. So we built Next Blueprint and we just launched it last year. We went through our first round of our mentorship program that we, that we have. And it's really just designed to help newer realtors to really understand all of the nuances of building a business, you know, social media, how to really work with buyers, how to work with sellers to be rock star agents um, so that in any market, regardless of good or bad, they can sell. No, that's all fantastic and stuff. And one of the thoughts that was coming to my head, is that all in person or is that a learning management system? Uh, so it's it's all virtual, but we actually host the meetings. So our mentorship program, uh, the Next Blueprint Mentorship Program, it's eight weeks. Uh, we it's about an hour, hour and a half long, and we do it all through through Zoom, so virtual. Nice. So we have clients all around the country, uh, agents that jump on, and my partner and I actually host the the meeting. So it's it, it's not in person because our company we want to really take it worldwide you know big aspirations there but um but we want to make it accessible to everyone so we did it virtually and then you literally just jump on and we kind of just give you all of our knowledge that we've accumulated in the 20 plus years together of doing this man i love and and those that know me personally realize that i have a prejudice against real estate agents i you know and, and i don't mean to group everybody i'm trying to come over the word prejudice all right but i am prejudging most real estate agents i don't think very highly of them as a, a profession i'm confessing this all right and then i'm learning though, the more people that I meet, the more professional they are, the more I admire some of these people. Mike, I'm not trying to blow smoke at you or anything like that. I admire you. And more so, it's because you're not trying to just seal the deal. You're not just trying to get somebody's money. You're trying to let people be educated, help them make educated decisions. And I love the fact that you're spreading that to other real estate agents and realize that once you harm people, it goes back to my no like trust, you know, part of building that relationship things. Once you violate that trust, you've harmed that relationship and mm-hmm. it's almost irreparable. Tell me I'm wrong or sell me on something different. No, it's um, the what I like to say is that we touched on the barriers of entry are very minimal. It's too right. Real. It, I agree. It's actually gotten easier since I jumped in the industry. But what I usually tell people is that, look, anyone can get a real estate license. Not anyone could be a realtor. And I think there's a huge difference between people who just have a license and people who are actually selling real estate for their career and doing it well. I mean, there's a reason why the top, why like 1% or 10% sells 90% of Chicago. It's like I love to repeat that over and yeah. over again. Ten percent of the people do ninety percent of the, the business, work. Yeah. Same in our profession too. But yet we're all seen as equals. 
Yeah, and it's it's a stigma that we've had, and it, rightfully so. There's a lot of shysters out there. Um, our my company, you know, my partner and I's company, like a lot of what we're doing is built on trying to fix that. We have a really audacious goal of in in ten years, we really want to change how education is. Um, basically amplified across the National Association of Realtors. You know, I think there's a massive lack of a real education, and that's got to change if we ever want to change the stigma that us realtors have. But even with the real estate agents, and, and you talk about the National Association of Realtors, they have a lot of designations, I think is the right thing. I see three letters after mm-hmm. people's names. I don't even know what they all mean, I'll be honest with you, but I know there's like GRS, and yeah, I don't know, can you guys think of other ones? and but the, at least that's education that they're getting. The one I always remember is CRS because there's another acronym that that's, that that can be that I can't say on the radio. <laughs> oh no! All right. Well, now now I don't know how to switch and translate to another subject yeah. from there. All right. But no, that's Derail. not. But no, going back to the education stuff, it's great. And you know, one of the one of the biggest lines and, and god line is the wrong way to say it one of the biggest educational moments that i took away from you and i actually asked this to a lot of other real estate agents and i love to listen to their responses what do you sell you know when i ask a real estate agent what do you sell and a lot of people look at me like i'm an idiot and they go well i sell houses and mike you want to elaborate on that and yeah it's um it's it's interesting because I get the same response from a lot of a lot of agents, but in reality, you know, this is a people person or people business, right? Relationship so it's relationships. So uh, what I like to say is ninety percent of what a realtor sells is themselves, right? Ten percent is the actual real estate because you have to be like you got to like realtors need to realize, and this is something we teach on, is that we're helping people with arguably the biggest financial decision of their lives. Without a doubt, it right? is. I say ninety-five percent of the time, if not more, this is going to be the biggest purchase mm-hmm. that they're ever going to make one, two, three times in their lifetime. Right, and so they're looked at us. They're looking at us as advisors to guide them through this. And if we don't know how to do that. You know, we could screw a family over for generations. You I know, use those exact you know, same words, both financially yeah. and physically. Exactly, mm-hmm. right? So so what I like to tell people is that, like, you know, you as a realtor, we need to really know what we're doing to be so good that these people are going to trust us with that decision. So we have to sell ourselves to them to convince them essentially to trust us with this massive decision. So really, if you can't do that, you're not going to sell those houses. So it doesn't matter what you do. Yeah, I mean, these houses are already there. You yeah. didn't you didn't construct them. You didn't nope. manufacture them. You're guiding a person through a process. And what I'm hearing from you is that the, you have to be not just competent, but mm-hmm. you have to be very good. And then you have to be able to demonstrate to somebody your competence. Yep. Who's never met you before. Right. And that goes for you too, Patrick, and you, Joey, all right, and me, all right? We got basically 30 seconds to a minute when people decide to choose us. Mm-hmm. It's like, how do I, I, you know, I've talked with you, Patrick, for many weeks now, all right? Joey, we're, we're, we're like almost a year now we've been going at this stuff. And it's mm-hmm. I respect both of you. I trust both of you. We got to that point, you know, of the get to know me, get to like me, get to trust me and stuff like that. You know, now, and I value your knowledge and everything that you share with your clients, but let's, there's also a lot of attorneys out there. There's a lot of home inspectors out there. There's a lot of mortgage brokers out there. There's a lot of real estate agents out there. You know, how do you know, you know, how do you get that point across that this person is trustworthy, you know, and that somebody's telling you the truth and all these things. And I know, Patrick, your your knowledge is greatly appreciated when you come on here and you share all that stuff. And Joey, I, I, I learn something each and every time. And Mike, this is why you're one of my favorite real estate agents. Now, those that also know me personally will also tell you that whoever's closest to Charlie right now is going to be his favorite. <laughs> and there is a lot of truth to that. I got that stuff. But <laughs> but I really do respect the way you do business. You can have and, more than one favorite. You, yeah. You know, that's allowed. Oh, don't tell my three children that. Uh, they all think that they're my favorite. Uh, yeah, you know, well, and it's yeah. always who's ever the closest to me. So, <laughs> All right. We're learning something about yeah. Charlie today. There it is. I'm going to give my little <laughs> secrets away. You know, without a doubt, I'm going to do that. But let's get back to the, the now and then stuff, because that just really, really fascinates me. You guys mentioned about the amount of houses 
that was available on the market. Is there more homes, less homes, or the same amount of homes last year this time as opposed to this year this time? I actually think it's the same. It's just less buyers. Oh, yeah. All three of you agree with mm-hmm. that? It's all about the same? I trust Mike's opinion on it. I, I trust I, Mike's opinion on that, but I would agree just based on my own activity. Yeah. 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 Same. Well, here's here's a good, here's a, an easy way to to kind of explain that. So, in a healthy market, a really really balanced market between buyers and sellers, there's six months worth of inventory. Meaning, for for those who don't understand that, it's just that if not a single property hit the market from that point forward, it would take six months to sell every single property on the market. Right now, more often across Chicago, I mean, it's a big city, there's gonna be some variables here and there, but we're at about three months, which means that's heavily leads in the seller's you know, favor, less inventory, you know, supply and demand. Mm-hmm. But what we're seeing is just that because of the rates, there's just not the buyer pool out there. So although the inventory is still way down, just the buyer pool is even lower, which is making it uh, more of actually a buyer's market right now, which is crazy because you would think less inventory, no shot. But yeah. last year when the rates were so low, we saw how many buyers were out there and why it was such so crazy is because there were so many buyers. Well, now that's changed and the inventory hasn't. You know, yeah, I that's, could re- oh, that's, go ahead, Patrick. Sorry. That's been you know similar to my experience in that the um, I actually have some negotiation. Uh, space uh, when I'm representing buyers, and and it, it honestly, you know, makes me feel much more useful in the process. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and look, right, it's, it's a snapshot in time, right? Right now, buyers are apprehensive. Um, as why uh, go expelling it? Why do you think they're apprehensive? Well, sure. I mean, it, I think it's just human nature. You, you see, interest rates go in in. Within 12 months' time, from 3% to whatever they are now, 7%. I'm rough figures, Joey. You can tell me where I got that wrong. Um, it, there's no way that's not going to have a psychological impact on someone. It, it, what that says mm-hmm. in in your in your brain, if you're if if, if for the uh, the the un, uninformed uninformed file, I'll say it. it you know, it's, well, you know, it's going to cost that's twice as is. much to you know to to buy the same thing, and oh, I feel so bad, I missed out. And that's not the case. The, those interest rates don't represent how much more your payment's going to be. But it's what people, the, the knee-jerk reaction is, is something along those lines. Mm-hmm. The People's psychology really, really affects the economy in, in, in a much more profound way than we even realize just yet. As these rates start to level off, um, I don't know when that will happen, but let's say that they, they do or they have, that will become to people, okay, this is this is what it is. This is normal. Um, they're also going to start outgrowing the house that they live in with their 3% rate. And over time, they're going to be that frog in the frying pan. That frying pan eventually is going to get too hot. They're going to need another bedroom because their family's growing. They're going to mm-hmm. need to, uh, you know, one, one of the partners is, is going to, uh, transition to a work from home. They're going to need a, a second uh, uh, home office. As life evolves, yeah, it's nice to have a three percent interest rate, but it's even better to live in a house that is right for you and your family. So, I don't know when that's going to be. If I if I did, I would just go on vacation until then. <laughs> I, but since I don't, uh, I, I, you know, timing the market is a fool's errand, as as uh, you know most would be aware. Oh yeah, I'm just gonna. Hang tight, and you know when when it all when the sands shift again, I'm I'm going to be here to, yeah. to to do what I need to do. Well, one of the things you mentioned was leveling off on interest rates, and then Joey, when when is the next Fed meeting, and do we know if they're still planning on raising rates again, or is that kind of are we looking to see what's happening now that we don't have as much inflation as we did the last few months? Well, I think uh, they, they said that they planned on um, starting to reduce the amount of increase to 50, 50 bips, so 0.5% for the Fed fund rate uh, starting in December. I don't know if uh, CPI uh, inflation coming in so soft this last month is going to affect that plan or not. I believe the 
the uh, analogy we made, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, oversteering the Titanic. I think that they're realizing maybe, I'm hoping they were realizing they did that. However, retail sales coming in a little bit hot this month may also lend to the idea that maybe inflation has not, you know, completely corrected itself. We may not be as, as uh, soft as we were this past month. We'll see. Um, I believe that the second and third quarter of next year, uh, we're, we're going to see some pretty good market factors. Um, I think that's when we're really going to, when we'll start seeing inflation get below five again. And that's just my thought based on how it's trending, um, based on what the Fed has said they're going to do. If they start, you know, coming in with shorter increases on the Fed funds rate, then maybe a little bit earlier. But I think next year is actually going to be a pretty good year for uh, for real estate in general. But they did say that, you know, the, the Fed's, they knew that was going to happen. They knew the Titanic had to be, I hate using the word Titanic because now it sounds like it's going to hit an iceberg and sink. But this big boat yeah, is going to be oversteered. All right. We knew that. The Caribbean Carnival. And then it's got to just swing back and forth a little bit. And I mean, it's always going to have to be a wave. I personally know that, you know, we're still filling up the schedule, which is nice. We're keeping all our inspectors busy. But one thing that I was just looking at some of our numbers recently, and, and you guys think about this. We had our clients buying a lot more ancillaries. All right. I don't know. than they did in the last year. So last year. People would get the home inspection, but they wouldn't necessarily. We didn't get a high percentage of people doing the sewer scopes, the radons, the you know the chimney scans, the irrigation pools, everything else. But now, and I'm guessing this goes back to that power leverage thing. You know, I mm-hmm. see that our buyers do have that power, and they're recognizing it. Mm-hmm. All right, how do you explain that? to a potential i want to hear both sides mike i want to hear how you explain this to a potential buyer and also a seller you know about the powers that they have in today's market compared to what things went on last year yeah the one thing i do is i i'm very transparent with my clients both sides very just upfront and honest about what we're currently seeing what we're dealing with you know but that's and smart that's how we build those relationships it is but it also it the the main reason why i do it i'm honestly besides for just needing they need to hear that stuff is the expectation setting like i am very big very big about setting expectations from the very get uh from the get-go and when I'm speaking to a buyer, I'm literally I'm just telling them like that now this is the buyer's time, right? You can ask for things within reason, right? And a lot of this stuff like templates and things that I have for my buyers is all expectation setting. Like, look, you just because the furnace is old doesn't mean you could ask for a new furnace, right? Like that that doesn't change regardless of the market. They still have to stay within the norms of what they can ask, but. You have you have a little bit more flexibility now for anything you might have a question on, you know. So like you mentioned, like scopes, right? Like you know, okay, well, last year, if you told a seller, hey, I want to get the pipe scope, the water pressure is a little low or something like that, they'd be like, all right, see, ya, we're gonna go through a backup offer. And you're like, no, 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 okay, 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 I don't care what happens if it floods, I'm happy. But now, the pipe. yeah, you yeah. know, who needs pipes? And then, but now I can. Know, I got buckets. Exactly. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> You know, you can just heat the water up on the stove if the there water heater doesn't work. But, oh, you got gas? <laughs> <laughs> but now I have now I can tell them like you know, you have you have more power where you can really feel good about the purchase, not just the price, but all the aspects that go into owning a house, all the big ticket items. Now on the seller's side, I gotta let them know that, you know, last year was an anomaly. That's not coming back. So no. first of all, I really need to discuss price with them. You know, obviously price is always going to be important for both sides, but even more so on the seller side because I think we have such a short-term view of things. That's how the world is, where we have the attention span of less than a goldfish nowadays, thanks to social media and our phones, that people only look short-term and they're thinking, oh my gosh, like let's price it really, really high and we'll get our price. And it's like, no, different market. So that's the first conversation. And the second one is also like, don't be shocked if this thing sits for a while because buyers have options. And here's all the reasons why they're not gonna go with yours. So I have to really be honest about that. And then I gotta tell them they're not gonna buy this thing as is. You know, there's going to be inspection requests. That's what you're hiring me to it negotiate. Seems like there for. always is. There always is, right? But now always, yeah. but now you actually have to 
kind of give in to some of them as opposed to last year where you could just tell them, nope, big deal. So it, it's just the conversations. have They've changed completely from last year. And if an agent knows what they're doing and they're having those conversations, then it's a lot less painful of a process you know, for both sides. One of the things that Patrick mentioned here earlier was, and, and maybe you did too, it's being an advisor, all right? I, the one thing I personally love about our country is that freedom of choice, all right? I'm hoping every other American that's listening does too. And choice is huge. But a lot of people, a lot of home buyers, I find they want us to make us being the real estate agent, the attorney, the home inspector, the mortgage broker. They want us making those decisions for them sometimes. And I'm like, that's that's not my role. All right. There's a lot of things that I don't know. All right. For example, I could tell you the condition of the home. I could tell you how old that furnace is. I could give you an estimated lifespan. I could tell you if it looks like that this is leaked in the past. I could do all that stuff and help you prepare for what it is that you're going to buy. But what you're willing to accept or not accept, that's not me. What I cannot tell you is how much power or leverage you have. You know, where this house is. You know, I mean, do you, I assume you do a comparative market analysis mm -hmm. for your buyers, you know, so they know what that house is really, the market value is and what it's going to go for. That's where you're advising them. You know, mm -hmm. you're, you could find out how hard or how much the, the seller wants to sell and how passionate your buyer is to buy. There's a lot of legal things that come into play, you know, with Patrick and, and jump in on this one too when it comes to the actual different portions and different add-ons onto the contract. Something that Patrick, and I'd love to get you to elaborate a little more on this, you were talking about the as-is and that other paragraph that you add in. Can you go into more detail on that? Because I, I was really enjoying listening to that. That you're the first one uh, to ever say something like that to me, so thank uh, you. We all know where <laughs> I'm a nerd and, and that's all geeky stuff that I enjoy. Yeah, so um, the, the inspection... I'm going to sound like I'm kissing Charlie's tush, but we all know the inspection is one of the most important aspects of the buying most a home. important. Joey, I want to hear you say that. It, it's it's crucial. You're right. The mortgage is. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sorry. Yes. To, yes to all of it. Um, so the inspection crucial, right? You're for the most part a layperson. You're going into a home. You're seeing the countertops. You're seeing all the finishes. Looks great. Everything's awesome. You make an offer, it gets accepted, everything's going your way. Inspector gets in and uh, they find stuff. And now the, the sheen is off a little bit and, and the hard work begins. Now, you mentioned that uh, we've been talking about how in today's market, as opposed to let's just you know dial it back 12 months, um, there is more uh, room to negotiate. And I'm speaking broadly. I want to make one point just as an aside. Every transaction follows its own path. So there are times when I have to advise a buyer, even if it's a buyer's market, if you have a certain seller, and this is, this is your home, this is the future home, and the seller's stubborn, doesn't want to give you what you think you should get, that can happen. Of course. It, and... That's where that choice stuff comes and, in, and then and then you you, do, you don't necessarily want to give up the that home just because you didn't get what you wanted in the inspection. That can happen, uh, and and it can be the the, the flip side as well. Uh, you know, I, I've certainly had sellers who say to me, "Why am I giving even an inch when it's a it's a seller's market and everyone knows that?" And I said, "Well, you know, this is your transaction. This is the sale of your home, and if." You want everything to go the way you want it, and and the end goal being that you're going to sell and then you buy your next home. You may still have to make some concessions. It can happen. Now, one thing that people will do to 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 make an offer look stronger is to say, "Yes, I'll have an inspection, but I am going to remove the inspection paragraph of the multi-board, and I'm going to substitute the." As is provision, which I believe is paragraph 36. And paragraph 36 still allows you an inspection, but it turns it into a binary: yes, I want it, or no, I don't. That is the overview of it. And if you really want to unpeel that onion, it is a lot more complicated than what I just explained. But that is 
the uh, you know the the the, the broad overview of, of what an as is offer is meant to be. No, I love it. And and Joey, what sort of advice do you give? I mean, you're more or less correct me if I'm wrong, but it's pretty much black and white. You make this much, and it's yes or no on the mortgage rates. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I really tell them they have to trust the realtor, right? Because they're the ones who are going to know the market. They're going to know they the have the knowledge been in the home. Yeah, exactly. For me, I just I can tell them the numbers, what it looks like. But the biggest thing that I tell them is buy it if you love it. Don't buy it to win. And that was my biggest advice in 2021. Like, buy it if you love it. Don't buy it because you're competing, right? Because you're going to hate your life if you do. So the, the, the um, Trust your realtor. That's the, the most important part of that process for me is trusting your realtor. And that's kind of why I left Mike off to be last on on these comments as the advisors as we come into play. I mean, how do you decide, Mike, what like, – let's take it after we come in there and we do our home inspection. How do you coach somebody into what they should and shouldn't ask for? It actually starts before the home inspection. Interesting. So my, and this is what we teach a lot on, is that it's, again, going back to expectation setting. So when you're at that buyer's, as a realtor, like you should be at that buyer's consultation with them. And when you talk them through how the process works, part of that should be also mentioning the inspection part, right? As part of that, and knowing that you could only ask for, let's say, whatever the market is, right? Just broad sense of things, you know, really latent defects and safety hazards. The contract says that it's the only thing we can negotiate on. So if it's cosmetic, we can't ask for it. I don't care how scratched up the floor is. I don't care if their dog screwed it up. That's cosmetic. So there's that part at the initial consultation. Then there's also like one of the things I do is I have an email template. I send my clients uh, a day before the inspection that literally says a similar thing. Hey, the inspector's gonna go in here, he's gonna do this, they're gonna check this out, they're looking for everything, they're gonna send you a beautiful PDF with all these pretty colors that's gonna scare the hell out of you. But just know, that's their job to do. I don't know if I should be proud or bow my head in shame. <laughs> this I is, really don't. No, and, and you know, be proud because that's that's the point of the home inspections. You gotta show these people yes. all the things that they can't see and that I can't explain to them when I'm in there for 15 minutes. Right. So I send an email to let them know the expectations. Again, no cosmetic. This is only the major stuff. Once we get that report back from Charlie, we're going to talk through it. And that's usually what happens. I, I'll let them look through it. I'll set up a time to speak with them. I'll look through it. And I've been around long enough to know and been on so many inspections. Now, I have a general idea of, of things, right? I've also ask millions of questions to inspectors to make sure I got that knowledge. But then I walk them through options with it, you know? And a lot of times they're, they're looking at for me for like, what should we ask for? Should we ask for this? And now I have to counsel them through each thing that they are bringing up. And a lot of it still is cosmetic and they want to know, can we ask for this? Can we ask for that? And I got to tell them yes or no. Um, and then we got to come up with a game plan you know, for it. And I usually try to go to the route of the credit. I'm sure Patrick will can, can elaborate more on that, but I always like to try to get a credit. It's simple, it's easy, and you're not dealing with an seller repairing things and who knows who they're hiring. Their neighbor who's, you know, doesn't know anything coming could do the job and be like, yeah, we fix a dishwasher. And then like two days later after closing, it doesn't work again. So I've seen that many times, I'm a little sure. duct tape and we're good to go. Yeah. Right? The, the credit's cleaner. Um, I, I talked to just as many people who are like, I really don't feel comfortable finding a contractor uh, to do some of this work. So I'd rather just have mm -hmm. You get that a lot with like uh, buying your first condo in River North, and all they want to do is is move their furniture in and uh, head over to Bar Siena and celebrate. <laughs> that sounds like that sounds like a favorite place. I don't know. It's a good place. It is. You know, I, I don't want to tell on myself. So, so let's go around the horn one more time. You know, Mike, if you don't mind, tell us again about your brokerage yep. and the school and how do people get hold of you. And you do take, I mean, if somebody has questions, even if they're not a client or a home inspector, real estate agent, anyone, you'll help them. I hope I'm putting you on the spot here, yeah. so don't say no. Yeah, I get <laughs> messaged quite often, actually. A lot, of, a lot of social media messaging I get, um, random stuff constantly from agents and from 
just people looking to buy or sell. So, and yeah, that, I'm always open to that. So if somebody goes on social media and they do a search for Mike Opid, O-P-Y-D, they'll be able to find you easily. easily. I know yeah. I did as well. So how? what's the rest of the name or company information, please, and thank you. Yeah, so uh, Remax Next is the brokerage. We have two locations, one in the West Loop, one in Lakeview. Um, our education company is Next Blueprint, and mortgage company is uh, Model Mortgage Next. And if they want anyone to get a hold of me, it's just... Uh, my cell phone, 312-929-8910, and email mike at remaxnext.com. Repeat that phone number a little bit slower, please. Sorry. Uh, 312-929-8910. Thank you. And Patrick, please? Call or text me, 773-632-833. Now you're making Three. Zero, yes, I'm taking the <laughs> can't say that word either. <laughs> no, that's all good. And you put out an email newsletter as well, don't you? I like to send out an email newsletter to let everyone know what we talk about. And mm. uh, if you'd like to be on that uh, email list, um, let me know. You can either call or text. I'm not doing that again. Uh, no. Or email me at patrick at loftus.law. And that's also, no, that's not your website, is it? What's your website address? Loftus.law. It is, it is your website address. All Indeed. right, Joey, can you give us your contact yes. info? Yes, sir. Call or text 630-235-2405 or find the VA Loan Nerd on any of your social media platforms. Hey, you know what? Um, before we go, I know we're up against the clock here, but Joey, I would love to hear your opinion on something really quick that I was I wanted to get to earlier when we were talking about rates that I think might yep. help buyers kind of put things in perspective. Um, so let's say the pandemic didn't happen, or if we want to go back before the pandemic, would you mind telling people kind of where rates were at before these this craziness happened that might help them understand that that the rates that happened the last couple of years were a complete freak and of, of a complete anomaly, and that actually, if that had never happened, the rates are probably not far off from where they would have been had that never happened. Is that correct? Am I accurate on that? Yeah. So absolutely. I actually remember the end of 2018, and I know this is two years, or well, a year in change before the pandemic. But I was still locking loans at five eight seven five, right? Uh, five seven five even. So are we that far off? We are not. Uh, so cool. I would imagine that this we essentially just went through a plane where there was a significant depression during the pandemic. And now we're right back up to a, a little bit higher than where we were a couple of years ago. But at the same time, we're also starting to see rates settle a little bit. So it's funny you yeah, say that because I'm right. seeing the same thing with gasoline prices and a lot of other things, too. I mean, when nobody was driving, going to work during the, the covid stuff, um, you know, gasoline prices went down. I mean, this is going to sound horrible to me, but I loved COVID at that time. You know, <laughs> nobody was on the road with me. Yeah. Nobody, you know, when I was going out there because real estate, we still needed to do what we did. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, that was enjoyable. So I'm going to throw one more plug in. We are running a little bit out of time here. I want to thank everybody for listening to WCPT AMA 20 and the Homebuyer's Hour. I'd like to give a special thank you to Devin Tingle. He's our producer, and he basically makes all this stuff works for us, so I can't be thankful enough. My name is Charlie Belfontaine. I do own Chicagoland Home Inspectors. Our website is www.thehomeinspectors, and that's plural. ORS and it's a dot com. Michael Opit, thank you very much. Like I said, I greatly respect you. Patrick, Joey, I think you two are, are two of the smartest people in real estate that I know, and I mean that as sincerely as I can. All right, so thank you again for listening. This is Charlie, and I'm out. Mm -hmm.